Welcome to the Mind Heart Muscle Podcast, where we explore the body and mind connection, train our hearts and souls, and understand what it is to be human. We connect with authors, coaches, and entrepreneurs from all over the world to both challenge and develop the way we think and approach our life. If you want to become the best version of yourself, have better relationships, and optimize your health, You'll learn that and much more here. We know you'll enjoy the show, so here we go. (laughs) Let's fucking send it. That's the quote of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag full send. Yeah, welcome back, guys, to Mind, Heart, Muscle. Today, oh man, we're joined by our friend, Coach chase hollison and of course ron white and myself matt gallo we're gonna jam on uh, some things some some things some stuff some language some authority and uh oh it's gonna be a good conversation i want to start uh with a question for both of you guys um both of you guys i'm not prepared yeah you are what (laughs) they got the negation it's april 1st what's been the biggest win for you this month Oh, oh, all right. Um, so far, my day has my, so far my day has gone as planned. Yeah. What is um, my turn? Yeah, go for it. Cool. I wanted to make sure you uh, you didn't have a follow up for him there. Uh, up at a quarter to five. Uh, dogs fed. Walked twenty five hundred steps in, and half of my programming load done before I was able to be. Or actually. 3000 steps in and programming load done before we got on this, this session, got my mushroom adaptogen tea to help me fuel this conversation. And uh, I'm, I am sure that in an hour, I will be saying that this conversation was the highlight of my month so far. Yes. Tell me more about the, that mushroom tea that you're drinking. Cause I'm on mm. that train too. <laughs> so it is green tea with um, mushroom honey. And hey. it has multiple different kinds of mushrooms in it. Uh, Rishi, Chaga, Lion's Mane, um, one or two others. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I drop that in my tea every couple of days. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing the, the um, Four Sigmatic uh, powdered mushroom coffee. Yeah. To replace coffee. And it's been magical. To say yes. the least. Magical. Magical. Talk about magic today. I'm behind on the mushroom <laughs> tea, mushroom coffee. Can we get Ron? So Ron, I, I got so you on why, the mushrooms. Don't worry. Why why are we doing this? Why are we putting mushrooms in our coffee? And <laughs> um well wait, wait. you want to go for it, Chase. Answer that I'll, question. <laughs> I was going to ask uh which um which mushrooms are we asking about (laughs) yes i mean either or okay yeah Uh, if you guys go going down that rabbit hole i will by all means the ones that Uh, are available at the moment that's what yeah (laughs) yeah uh the ones that are available at the moment um all kinds of mental sleep mental acuity sleep and uh immune system benefits um, theoretically speaking, if people wanted to find the ones that aren't supposed to be available right now, uh, there are other benefits that are purported there that are being shown with, uh, anxiety, PTSD, uh, trauma, stuff like that. So, yeah, per- personally, um, dude, I was drinking five, six cups of coffee a day and that before before 9 a.m. and and the the mushroom coffee's got the it gives you that mental acuity like coat like Chates said and um and it's got like a third of the caffeine of a regular cup of coffee so now I drink one or two cups of that and a lot of water and I feel sharp as a tack most of the day and I and I feel good you know having a cup of that at 2 3 p.m to pick me up instead of you know a regular cup of coffee which will keep me up all night 
Yeah. So huge benefits. And, and I, I notice, uh, especially like when I'm on these calls, you know, we do a podcast, I have a cup and I, I can think, uh, more uh, with more agility. Um, I can be more focused. I can breathe better. You know, I don't have that. I don't have that anxiety that, you know, that, uh, a nice hot cup of espresso would give me, you know, it's funny, the tools that have been given to us to help us like caffeine or, uh, alcohol or something along those lines, how they keep people upregulated to Matt's point. And it's been a noticing of mine for a few years. And especially since going through the enlifted program and really diving into the value of a downregulated state and being aware of who we are and what we're saying and what we're thinking and what we're doing, that these tools in quotes that are pumped to the masses via caffeine or alcohol or whatever else mommy needs her wine they're a band-aid on a bullet wound of you know that that could be very well addressed with some stitches of breath work and taking a look inside so now do you avoid alcohol completely no uh not 100%. I will sip a finger of a nice bourbon every once in a while. Uh, that I have other uh, choices available to me to uh, be in a social mood and be around people and, and whatnot. Uh, once I started really pulling back on alcohol, though, once the, I mean, I wake up at 4.45, seven days a week. Yeah. So most times when alcohol comes up, we're up till at least midnight or 1 a.m. Like, See, at that's that point, why I, that's yeah. why I, I drink early in the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. If you if you get me a, uh, an event that has day drinking involved, like you're, you're yeah, down I'll, for the you're down for the ride. I'll have a couple. Uh, my, yeah. my thing is I'm I'm retired. Negation of knowledge, not washed up. I got you. I got yeah. you. I just walked in back into a good conversation. Day drinking. Let's go. <laughs> uh, we, uh, so before we continue on, Chase, uh, give us the lowdown. Who are you? What do you do? Um, tell our listeners about the man, Chase Tolleson. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll kick it off from a point in my life where I was dead set that everything was predetermined, that my story was written for me because I had spent 18 months trying to get a special warfare contract for the Navy. Uh, and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm into fitness. I've been into fitness for years, let's go. And the Navy was the third branch I had talked with in trying to do this. Uh, first two branches shot me down for a misdemeanor marijuana possession charge when I was 18. Navy said, go get your eyes fixed with LASIK will waiver that shit. So I come back a year later after getting my eyes fixed, selling the car that I said I'd never sell. My second cousin who worked at the Pentagon trying to dissuade me and go to contract in. And they say, sorry, new instruction was sent out five days ago. Your misdemeanor is no longer waverable. So I went into the Navy, spent four years turning wrenches with a chip on my shoulder. Oh. And Decided I was going to get out and be my own boss. I opened a gym in August of 2014 after exiting the Navy in February of 14. And for the first few years, I pretended I was my own boss. I was my own boss. I was still in that victim mentality where outside circumstances were to blame for everything that went on in my life. I ran my gym, my relationships, my friendships that way. And Round about 2017, I got into uh, a podcast episode that dumped me into the vocabulary course. And that just started this unraveling and pulling a string of self-development and turning my language inward. Uh, and, and, and it's come full circle to where I was in the gym running away from myself before. And I used even going after a special warfare contract as running away from developing other parts of myself that I could. Uh, 
and and that full circle trip has come to I'm in the gym now to love myself and to love my body. And it, you know, it's more of a movement meditation, even when the barbells are big and I'm grunting. Uh, and and it's created this realization that the fitness industry and people's fitness journeys as a whole are ran on fear and need and negative self-talk and it needs to be fixed. Like without fixing that people will can the obesity and disease and everything else. Mental health will continue going down the drain. First off, uh, thank you for spending four years in the Navy. Um, I have great respect for anyone who's served the country. Uh, second off, man, that had to have been heavy. Just in there to, you, you, you got in there to do the thing that you wanted to do, whether you were running away from something or not. Mm -hmm. And to go through that process of, hey, yeah, you do this and we're going to give it to you and then be shot down and then still serve four years of your life. Uh, what did you take away from that? What, I mean, all of our experiences teach us something. So, yes. and clearly you spent a great load of time with the chip on your shoulder. And personally knowing now some of the stuff that you've been through, you've been taught to reframe and look at things from a different lens. Um, so now that you are who you are now, what was the positive outcome from that experience? Oh, 100%. Great question. Uh, that story was what held me back. It was the one that pervaded the, no matter what I do, uh, no matter what I try to do, it's going to end up a certain way anyway. And the positive outcome has been that I taught myself how to swim and how to swim very well to do that. I went from a guy that couldn't run to running two miles in 13 minutes with a backpack on and swimming 2000 meters and then doing that again on the way home. Uh, the positive outcome was that when I took the right look at that situation, I realized that when I want to do something, I do it. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. There's uh it's impressive to be able to will yourself into doing those things and talking about the atrocities of the current state of the fitness industry. You know, you see people walk into the gym and uh, and you've been through active life. You've done that stuff too. You've done the, the enlifted stuff. So you've changed a lot about how you portray what fitness is. And still, I'm sure people come in with that expectation of, you know, you can just will yourself through pain and will yourself into that mentality of going hard as fuck every time so you can be better than you were yesterday and all that, you know, bullshit. Essentially, Hashtag no days off. Right? And... Uh, <laughs> And, and you've done it. You've been there too. You went from, you know, not being able to swim to being able to do what you did. And, uh, and I'm sure, you know, aside from that misdemeanor, which is another bullshit thing. Yes. You, Especially because it's legal in Illinois now. So. Dude. Yeah. And, uh, and they let people into the Navy SEALs who, who end up being murderers and all that. And it's, yeah. it's sad. It's sad. The type of people that's, you know, Besides oh, the point, <laughs> here's the other blessing in disguise. Uh, had I ended up in the seals with the mindset I had, those guys, like you said, got strung up for murder, for trafficking cocaine, for mm -hmm. all kinds of crazy stuff. It would likely be a dead or in jail kind of situation for me. So because of the mindset that you had at the time, because of the identity I had at the time, yes. let me correct myself. Yeah. It's the culture too of that. I've, I know a few a few seals and a few non seals who tried and it's, they talk about the culture being toxic and that's a really good representation of what, what's out there in the rest of the world as well. You know, we're, we've been in the fitness tree come, you know, six, eight, 10 years between us all. And 
you know, I see people walk in the door every day and they expect to be yelled at they expect to have a workout that's like ridiculously hard. And when they start, you know, our on-ramp program and I start by teaching them how to take a deep breath, they're like, wow, this is not what I expected, not what I signed up for. And I want to do it again. And I feel better about myself than I ever have. And, and when people come in here, they're looking for that. What are they looking for? Confidence, uh, self-worth. They don't, they don't care about, you know, being able to PR their deadlift. They want to feel like they did something good for them, their bodies and for their self themselves. And I used to lead with, you know, Hey, we're going to hit this workout as hard as possible. That was day one. And I've, I remember having this woman come in 2014, we did a, a baseline test workout. And the next day she was like, called me and like, she's like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. My legs, don't work. I have to be able to walk up the stairs. And I, my thought was like, Hey, don't be such a bitch. I didn't say that to her. Oh, but you thought it, but I thought it. (laughs) And looking back, it's, it's sad that yeah, yeah, that that's how we were. uh, We expected it to be as well. So when, what was it like for you, Chase, when that changed and, 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 you know, what was that moment like where you were like, all right, we're doing it this way. And I believe that we can make a difference in the world because of it. Great question. Uh, with layers to the answer. It was a slow burn. Of course. Uh, in January, 2018, I started my OPEX CCP, which uh, have either of you been through it? Okay, not so been through it, but vaguely familiar with what's what you're OPEX is yeah, OPEX is big on individualization on each person deserves their own program, their own lifestyle guidelines, their own coach. Uh, and we coincidentally, about the time I graduated that we were planning on moving into this space we're in now, which uh, we have as much gym floor as we did total space in the old spot. So we had room to do a standalone individual design floor. So we were running this individual design program on one side of the gym and normal CrossFit group class on the other side of the gym and watching the dichotomy between the two for me, it was, okay, these people, the individual design people come in, they do their workout uh, in a way correct for them. Like, how can we start applying that to the class? Because you can be the best coach and the best mentor in the world. And it's still very difficult when people get into group class to go, Hey, you got to do what's right for you and not what your best friend is doing across the room. Uh, it's doable. I, I, and I know there are gyms that do it. I wanted to take it a step further. Uh, so that was where active life came in to Matt's point. Uh, and uh, we, we got rolling with them and they're like, yeah, run it hybrid, do front half uh, where everybody gets individual design. And, and then from there, the Enlifted stuff came in. And now we have three coaches in house who are Enlifted certified and the language around everything has changed. And I will say that if we went back and did the Enlifted stuff in 2018, I, I believe that's the key that if you're running a, and this is me theorizing because we don't run straight group anymore, that if you're still, if you're running straight group, that language game is the key to getting people to do what's right for them. Yeah, we, we experimented for a while with running both because we have a large facility, two rooms and, and, and it's the same exact point. You'd have a, a, you know, a 10, 12 person, CrossFit class in one room, slamming barbells. And then in the other room, you got people doing step ups and single arm high pulls. And they're, you know, peeking, they hear a barbell slam and they hear people cheering. They peek over in the other room and you can tell it's a little different. You know, they have this urge to like be in that environment. So it was, it's difficult. Now we do it a little differently um, because it, it's difficult in the space. With the, with the language component now, when I, and I teach few CrossFit classes now, when I teach a CrossFit class, we introduce, I introduce things 
with that affirmative language that helps people recognize their strengths and what they are capable of as opposed to what they're not capable of. And I remember, and I've, I've talked about this on our, when we did a, when we did that episode with Mark England, I talked about how I learned at my CrossFit level one uh, to coach the positive. And it, I didn't understand it at the time, negation acknowledged. It was like, okay, I got it. Tell them what to do, not what not to do. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's challenging because you want to just tell people like, no, not that, do this. With, with a lot of practice and understanding like, hey, we're going to meet people where, where they're at and approach them like the way they, they learn. It's less about telling them what to do and more about asking them what, what they believe they should do and asking them how they feel and asking them what they want. I didn't start doing that for, for six years you know, yeah. co coaching CrossFit for six years, I rarely ask people what they want out of a workout, which looking back is like, man, that's why I lost so many members. Now, why, why else is the attrition, is the, uh, the rate of uh, turnover on a membership 18 months as opposed to 10 years? And my mission since starting with Active Life, even before that has been changing that entirely, like getting people from the average membership being 18 months to now I want the 10 year CrossFit member, you know, the person who sees progress and has these waves and feels good and improves their relationships and improves the rest of their life. And when actually, actually channeling in on what coach Glassman said about the adaptation, the greatest adaptation being between the ears, like that's been, uh, such a huge focus for tried and true and and uh you know sorry to jump in on you matt but take it like i, I was just getting fired up like I... each uh each and every day we we begin our class at, well we begin our class with movement it's at the zero mark it's three two one go we're moving all right then then we do our whiteboard brief. We do our whiteboard brief anywhere from seven to 10 minutes into the time of our group class starting. And the first thing out of my mouth is a greeting and some gratitude for everybody being there. And then it's mindset. Like today, uh, today I, uh, we told everybody that uh, a quote from how to win friends and influence people about how uh, any, uh, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain, and most fools do. And then I added a little bit of a nugget to it. And I, we, uh, it's like you said, Matt, if it's bigger than fitness, we're not just improving our bodies. We're improving the relationships, specifically the with the biggest goal being the relationship that we have with ourselves. Like, it's it's funny that this is the topic today. <laughs> and I don't even think that we've addressed what exactly it is that we are uh, getting into. The three of us, the three of us know that the foundation in which the fitness industry has been built upon is severely, severely broken, and it's been built upon aesthetics. It's been built upon competition. It's been built upon uh, pure greed. And sure, looking good naked is important to a lot of people. Sure, competition is fun. And sure, gym owners need to make money. People in fitness businesses need to make money. Those three things are very, very important and very valid. There is no authenticity. There is authenticity being built in a very small community that the three of us are a part of and are going to grow. Yes, uh, you said foundation and and that, that resonates because an analogy I like to use is the foundation. A lot of coaches out there like to use habits and tactics 
and these tactile things that if you want to continue to implement them, you need a coach in your life to hold you accountable to it as the foundation of what they teach people. When that's, that's your first or second floor on your house or your, the base of the pyramid, the foundation is your identity and your beliefs. And what are you doing mm-hmm. to strengthen that? Because if you try and lay tactics and habits for somebody who's 200 pounds and you're 270 and you have an identity of somebody who's 270 pounds, you're, you're implementing those will be a climb up Mount Everest without any conditioning to prep. Hmm. That's, uh, I like the identity as a foundation. We we've done a, I've done a, done episodes about identity itself. And, and I made a post yesterday about that too. Like people identify as something now. And I remember Mark England's Ted talk, right. Talking about the definition of identity. And I'm like, that's, that's inaccurate because I used to be something else. I used to believe other things. So my identity changes. It's, it's nonlinear and it's in flux. So you might go from this level play, you know, to something else completely different and believe it. And when you're dealing with someone who's, you know, overweight, obese, and struggling to simply will themselves to the gym or sign up for a gym or talk to a coach or DM a coach, like these simple things that we take for granted. Somebody, sorry. Teach, yeah. As somebody who had an eating disorder <laughs> in high school 15 years ago and still remembers putting on a bridesmaid dress at 16 years old. And because of that, she's scared to even start because she's unsure of whether she'll be able to eat well enough to get to her goals. Mm. That sounds, that sounds something familiar to you. Like something familiar. Didn't you just start, (laughs) didn't you start working with somebody recently that had an eating disorder, Matt? I I did. Um, and (laughs) yeah, things have changed for her. Let's just say that. All right. She's, she's, she's a new person. Her identity is is different. And had this been a few years ago, we I wouldn't have. Well, a few years ago, I was not able to make the same change when she originally came to me. Now, now we start on the ground level, like you said, that foundation. What is the foundation of of change? It's identity. What's the foundation of movement? It's breath. These things are crucial to of actually affecting change. And, and we talk about the fitness industry. It's massive. The fitness industry is enormous. How, how, how are we going to change that? How are we going to influence the masses here? And I'm talking, I'm talking big picture. Yes, we're, we're starting with our small community and we're starting small. And we are starting with these base level uh, changes in our um, respective communities. You're still going to open Instagram and, and the first thing you see is, you know, some chick half naked talking about belly fat. Yeah. It's those things, those things are still going to hold some value. It's still going to draw attention. Yeah, definitely. And those pieces are going to, there's going to be people that for generations still resonate or vibrate with those pieces. Uh, And if you're talking about it on resonation or like high vibes or however you want to frame it, there are only so many people at a time that are ready to step into that. So that to me, like influencing the masses comes with influencing one person at a time. Mm. And I'll, you know, from, I mean, Mark called me up on the Tuesday night live this week uh, to speak on that. Like it went from me to, I think Eddie and Sarah signed up for their level ones first. And then my sister got working with Mark. She's signed up for her level one. My wife has a call uh, to work with Mark uh, and, and my sister's sister-in-law. So now this spider web has started 
going out from just me and my immediate circle to now my sister's circle. And it's going to go to Eddie's circle and Sarah's circle. And before you know it, all of the Northwest suburbs of Chicagoland will be practicing white magic instead of constricting butthole puckering black magic. <laughs> oh man, that's, that will always be funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's infectious um, and uh, not to sound like a cultist. That's how it spreads, though. People believe in the message, and and it and this shit works, as we as we say. Also, we know that for longevity purposes and keeping people happy, healthy, and safe what's going to be most beneficial for them in the gym. And, and that's what, that's what our jobs are currently. Like we work in gyms. We do. People come to us expecting a certain thing. And, and when we show up, it may be a little different. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, more valuable. It's yeah. oh man, far more valuable. <laughs> uh, it's uh the amount of people that, you know, oh, I'm having consistency issues coming to the gym. Can we sit down and talk on that? Cool. What feeling do you get when you think about consistency? Where does that take you? Okay. Let's, let's talk about that story. Okay. Let's talk about these six other stories that just came up. Next thing you know, that person has can't come in three, four times a week consistently for three months when what they thought they wanted was, oh, help me talk myself into it. You know, mm. tell me, tell me that I need to be here because so many people are going through life doing things because they think they should be doing them as opposed to knowing who they truly are and what serves their path in life. There, there comes in the self-awareness yes. piece that we were chatting about a bit on, you know, while texting. Yeah. And, 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 and and yeah, like someone comes in and asks about, you know, hey, just help me motivate myself, get me to, you know, start doing this thing because I, I need to start now. Okay. Well, where are you now? That's a, that's a huge uh, thing that, or question that I, even I have a difficult time answering. I was on a phone call with, with our buddy Cody Ringel a few weeks ago. And he asked, <laughs> yeah. And he asked, who are you? <laughs> who are you right now? You know how many times I've sat down uh, in my journal and tried to describe that and, and got a few words in? Ooh. Imagine, imagine I, uh, asking people that. You know, you ask people that all the time. I ask people that now more often. And it's, man, it stops them in their tracks. Where yeah, are you? Who I are love, you? <laughs> I, I love that question. Uh, and I, I've asked multiple people, do you know who you are? Uh, you know, it's the same question worded different. And, and to your point about people coming in and wanting external sources of uh, motivation, it's well intended. It's still the victim mentality. Because, and, and we can go down, I, Pulled up the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which a person tends to recognize or consider themselves as a victim of the negative actions of others. Read so, that again slower. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. I speed up sometimes. <laughs> we all Vic do. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait in which a person tends to recognize or consider themselves as a victim of the negative actions of others and to behave as if this were the case in the face of contrary evidence of such circumstances. So when they're looking for motivation, they're looking for positive stuff from others. And they're saying that there's other outside stuff that's creating negative forces for them. Because if you're looking for motivation externally, then for for most people, I know for me, when I was looking for motivation externally, it was because everything that was stopping me was external as well. So when you can realize that you're stopping yourself, you get to also realize that you get to build yourself. That's heavy. 
that that makes me laugh at that thing that is that new popular saying that's going around people aren't ready for that conversation (laughs) (laughs) when you're stopping yourself when you realize you're stopping yourself you can also realize that you can build yourself yes we talk about ownership so much and there it is it is right there. It shows How up. We, what are the right questions that we ask? Because that's the game we play. We play, we play the game of all the right questions or just continue to ask questions until you find the right questions. What are the questions that we ask to help our members, our clients, the people close to us to get them to recognize that they are, that they can identify that they are stopping themselves and then make that shift to then build themselves. What's the, where do we start? As asking them what's holding them back, let them project it first, you know, and then with whatever it is, whether it's a busy schedule or work or this, it's digging deeper on that subject with, like you said, the right questions, you know, what's holding you back? Well, I'm too busy. Okay. Well, uh, what's going on that you're too busy. Okay, cool. How do you spend your time here? How are you doing this? And to, to Matt's point, to your point, so many coaching programs are out there that tell you to have the answers that build you up to have the answers to teach people to keep their knees in line with their toes and to keep a neutral spine and to uh, sleep seven to nine hours a night. The, the gold is in asking those questions because if somebody tells you, hey man, uh, you drove a little too fast around that corner, as opposed to asking you, hey, how'd it feel when you took that corner? There's gonna be two different gut reactions for you. Right. The no, first, just, the first one class. feels like yeah. the first one feels like an attack, and then the second one gets gets the person to remind themselves that oh hey, I should have done that differently. Mm. It's asking the uh, the open ended questions as opposed to a lot of yes or no questions, which I've uh, you know stay away from I try to stay away from as as often as I can um when you get people when you ask like a, a how what when why sometimes why those questions force people to look in now as opposed to look around for the answers you start to think you slow your breathing you know I I had a, a conversation with my wife last night she's um she's stressed out. She is nervous and anxious about the birthing process. And I am doing my best as a husband to keep her um, from hating me (laughs) and and to show her empathy. And and I started asking more questions and and I did something last night, which I'm, I'm happy about. I had her write down her fears as a story. And as she's writing it down, I walked away, I let her have do her thing and, and gave her space. And then just, she came over to me and said, here, what is this? How does this look? And I, how does it feel? I respond with, instead of, you know, old me would have said good. And, you know, you know, what's going on? I I responded with these questions, open-ended question. And I, the first thing she did was take a deep breath. When I said, how does it feel to see it on paper? And then we, one at a time, all right, each fear, uh, dig, ask some more questions about it. And it ended with, with cuddling. So it's, something went right, you know? (laughs) Um, Solutions come about when people take time to look inside and think it's it's meditation it's like a forced meditation we talked about that with uh michael casu the other day 
when he talked about how being able to meditate has taught him to look for his inner teacher, which was profound, something that I, I resonated with for sure. And, and I'm thinking more about how I can put it into practice. Something like that is, it's a powerful tool when a coach can do that for another human being to give them that opportunity to look inside and, and respect themselves. Because when you're looking out for all these answers and external motivation, it's, it's like you said, Chase, it's the victim mentality and, and you're losing self-respect at that point, self-worth, because you're putting your problems onto someone else and assuming that you're going to get all the right answers when you have, you have them all inside. All the answers are in here and our particular activating system is saying, hey, focus on this, focus on the pain, focus on the frustration, focus on the what you can't do. Well, what about what you can do? What can you control? And simple, simple topic. Now we're putting it into practice for sure. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Definitely. And you know, to your point, I, I love that you brought that up. And uh, that story, that's an amazing story of being able to help your wife through that. Um, it's, it's a place of receivership. I think anybody who is out there trying to serve and help grow others needs it is very valuable to have the ability to be in a place of receivership to have an open space for those that you're trying to help because without that you're out there trying to force you're you're trying to force your ego and what you know and your knowledge and your skills onto them as opposed to being open for what they have and receiving that, processing it, and then asking them a question to nudge them along their path. And it comes back, you, you said, you know, like what, 10 minutes ago, self-awareness. It's creating a space where they are comfortable enough to step into self-awareness. What are, what are breath. some, yeah. What are, what are some things that <clears throat> people listening to this, we got a few different kinds of people listening and what are, what are some actions people can take on their own to start to explore the self-awareness a little more? A journaling. Lot. Journaling. What, what is journaling? Because that's a, that, all right. Easy to say. That's like saying you should start believing in yourself more. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it never really clicked for me until the whole process of going for the 45 minute walk and then immediately sitting down and just spewing whatever was on my mind onto the paper. Journaling really is just that it's, it's getting the things out that you're thinking, you're afraid to say, you, that you feel need to be said, that you want to say, that you don't know how to say them. You can get them onto paper and then say them out loud to yourself to hear how they sound. Then be able to make a better judgment call before you even say it. It's... <clears throat> Maybe it's saying in a, in a mortality sense, you could journal about the things that you wanted to say somebody to say to somebody before you lost them. All of those things are involved in the stories that we tell ourselves and are potentially holding us back and could potentially jettison us forward. Yes. I and I, I believe I picked up on that you read it back when you journal Not all the time okay. I believe that there would be I believe that sometimes it's important just to write it down and yeah. then just to get it out of your head and I would read it back to myself if it was about a decision I was trying to make if it was about something I wanted to say so say to somebody uh, and I just wasn't <clears throat> sure how to say it. 
th those are the instances in which I would read it back to myself. And knowing what I know now, if it was something that I needed to reframe, then I would definitely uh, go read it out loud, read it again slower, and you know, read it with breath, uh, just to calm down about the situation if I was upregulated by it. Yeah. Um, I personally, I read all of my journaling sessions back. And I'll go back and read them back. I'll flip back and grab a page and read it. Uh, for me personally, I, if I write it down and leave it, I can bury it. So uh, there is, and I know everybody's practice is different. We're talking on you know, how people can best create awareness. For me and my ADD and the 20 different things going on there, when I write it down, read it back, and then go back a week or two later and read it again, I mean, dude, this is this is this is my book of spells. I've stopped calling it a journal. Mm -hmm. yeah. And my pen's my magic wand. So, we we've. I like the journaling idea. Love it, and as we're working on our upcoming. 50 days of discomfort challenge. Journaling is, we already decided is a huge part of that and is a daily, it's going to be a daily practice with specific questions to answer about yourself, specific thoughts in mind each time. One particular um, journaling practice I like now is and I do it every morning is starting with what I am prioritizing and what I'm afraid of doing today. What's, what is the biggest thing that I am uncomfortable about in my, in my day or in my life at the moment, after a few minutes of quiet meditation, you could call it just thought snoozing the alarm sometimes. Then I pick up the pen and write it down and it's, it gives me something to uh, focus my attention and energy on and combat it before it, it upregulates me. Because if, you know, we, we, we have fears, we've got things that scare us, especially if you're in business, because if you're doing well, you're going to be doing things you're afraid of every day, big audacious things. And, and it might be something small, that you can look out on paper now and say, oh, I, you know, I'm, this is something that's on my schedule today that I have to do, I get to do, I want to do. Oh, wow. And it changes all of a sudden in your head and with simply by putting it on paper, that's, that's the spell happening. It could take yeah. moments. I choose to do. I choose to do it, right? You made, you made the choice. Oh, yeah. cool. So yeah, journaling, daily practice. What else? What else can people do to practice the mindfulness and, and gain self-awareness um, to, to eliminate that fear in the fitness industry that we talk about or the challenge of self-worth? Yeah, I think it, it all ties together in listening to yourself, right? And, and hearing your voice in your head. So whether it's self-worth or eliminating the fear and negative self-talk that you use to fuel your fitness journey. Uh, one of the biggest tools for myself and for my clients is exhale during conversations. If you are not talking, take the express the longest exhale that you can and downregulate your system and hear what the other person is saying. So you can have a, fulfilling conversation and and process what you're going to say uh, in a way that you can put space between your reaction and your response when you create that skill of hearing what people are saying and responding to that in kind with something that you know what is coming out of your soul and your heart and your vocal cords then you are creating a place where you can listen to yourself and then you're creating a spot where you can process your own thoughts and it becomes 
easier to recognize if you're in that dark place and you're running away from yourself in the gym, or if you're in a spot where you are happy with what you're doing. What happens when you realize Chase, do you do this when you realize you're holding your breath? Oh, um, <clears throat> you breathe. <laughs> if, if you realize you're holding, usually for me, the first sign of, uh, it's more of a, of an awareness of a feeling like, oh, I'm getting tight in my chest. You know, my, uh, I'm feeling constricted. It's like, okay, let's take a breath. Hmm. Uh, and then once you take the breath, you know, and it's, it's easy until you start practicing it to, you know, to miss it. Um, get in a conversation with something that uh, somebody hits one of your old triggers or uh, touches on, you let something touch on one of your deep pro projections that you have. And you go, and then your breath goes, and then you're like a bull in a ring charging a matador because you went full on fight or flight. And it's like, so before you ever hit that red cape, stop and breathe. What is, what has been some serious moments where taking the mo taking the second to stop and breathe has saved your ass. <laughs> I mean, with my wife, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's be real. Uh, three, four years ago, like we would have stupid conversations like, or stupid arguments, like stuff like, Oh, you pulled the drawer out of the dishwasher too fast and it popped off the rails. And now we're arguing for 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> is that really worth the negative energy that y'all are going to go to sleep with? You know, or, or why did you say it? That way? Like, and that, that comes full circle to, you know, when you can realize that breath is going to save your ass is when you can be in a place of receivership. So in, as opposed to having that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, why'd you say that? You can take a breath and say, oh, you know, always assume positive intent and say, okay, this is what they meant. Or, all right, they're in a rough spot right now. Let's hold space for them and ask them what's wrong. As opposed to like, man, in the last six or eight months since I got into this work and I lose track of time, um, it, it's the amount of arguments that have been avoided on both ends because Sarah's a badass and has picked this up just by osmosis of us being able to breathe as opposed to going knee jerk or even holding each other accountable on the words we use. It's been amazing. And, and <clears throat> when you have somebody in your life that can help you save your own ass, that's even better. You mentioned the, the cost of energy by yeah. arguing and by lack of self-awareness. It's so expensive. And, you know, Ron and I can relate very well to the silly arguments over the years, a little bit, a tiny bit, with, uh, with relationships especially. Just look, looking back, how much energy was wasted on not taking a deep breath. Right. <laughs> I feel like we're preaching to the choirs here. And, where, and, uh, where, and it's good. It's great. Where does that put your reticular activating system? You get in an argument with your spouse before you leave the house. I rhymed. Look at that. Um, and... <laughs> You magic, <laughs> magic, abracadabra. Uh, if you get in an argument with your spouse in the morning before work over some trivial bullshit because you were uncomfortable, and pardon my French, um, oh, if, because you were you were too uncomfortable with uh, what's going on at work to breathe into that and express it, or you were 
uh, having a, a tough time framing out uh, your morning commute and you were in your head around that stuff, how does that affect your reticular activating system for the rest of the day when you're upset with your spouse leaving, leaving the house and, and you drive to work angry and then you show up to work angry and then you eat lunch angry and then you drive home angry and then three years later, you guys haven't talked in two months. You haven't had sex in six months. And she serves you with divorce papers. Shit just got real. Yeah. Shit got, got real. It's that whole concept, you know? How many times have you heard about the, the individual who spills their coffee in the morning and the first words out of their mouth, oh, this is the kind of day I'm going to have. Yep. It's, or <laughs> spill your coffee and you throw out the goody goody gumdrops and you laugh about it and you say, accidents happen and this is only a speed bump in my day and I'm going to, own shit for the rest of the day. <clears throat> Here's life a tool that happens. People Go. say life happens. Life happens. <laughs> life happens to us or life happens by us. It's your choice. Yeah. Here's a tool for people to uh, take with them to gift. And we'll end on this, guys. I appreciate your time. This was awesome. Um, shit happens. Yeah. And what can you do about it when you, you know, if, if you start your day with, uh, with a difficult situation, um, well, before you do that, get, come up with some, some things you're grateful for, some affirmations, even put them somewhere you can see them before you walk out your door as a reminder, a gentle reminder, uh, put, put it in front of you, put something in your car visor. So when you bring it down, it's, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm grateful. Things like this little steps you can take to bring that self-awareness in to help you focus your attention on what good shit you have in your life and man this this will change the environment the people around you it'll change you um, it will help you change you so hey man chase where can people learn more about what you're doing and what can you do for them yeah. Um, Instagram. That's where I'm most active at coach underscore chase underscore Tolleson. Uh, I am uh, plain and simple. I help overwhelmed men uh, build the body and mind to unleash the alpha male inside. That's, that's, that's the elevator pitch. Uh, oh yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Awesome. Great, great chat guys. I uh, I'm excited to follow up on this one and, and uh, yes. And share it, of course, as always. Um, see you guys next time. Love you both. If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends. Hit the copy button. Copy the link. Choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out let them know what they can expect from it too because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible so if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say then send it over it's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to apple or go on to spotify and rate the thing give us a five-star review write us a little note let us know how we're doing shoot us a dm on instagram whatever it takes let us know so we know that we're on the right track and we know that we're providing content that is actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for and if it's not hey maybe we can help so do your job Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it.